The Miami Dolphins fan mailbag has returned here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is power to the pod. So it's all the things that you, the fan base, want to talk about. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Going on, Dolphins fans, Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Friday, February 24th, 2023. The NFL Combine starts next week. We are finishing this week with a mailbag episode of Locked On Dolphins. So it's all the pressing things that are on your mind going into this critical stretch of the offseason. Those are the things that we're going to talk about. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. I'm Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, and ready to dive in. It's been a while. Power to the pod, as we call the mailbag episode, disappeared uh, probably a month into the losing streak to end the, the regular season before the Dolphins, uh, of course, won that Week 18 contest and, and made the playoffs. Um, but in the midst of kind of that shifting expectation, there was just a lot of ground that I felt needed to be covered to cover this team from all of our angles. And now that we are sufficiently into the off season cycle and we're not going to definitively get football until OTAs and, and mini camps, and even that's non-intense versus what the regular season and preseason and training camp looks like. Now's the time. The mailbag is back, so everyone can rejoice. I have a bunch of fan-related questions. I'm going to tear through as many of them as I possibly can here on the show. That's the objective. First one comes from Dolphins Craze. What is a position you think fans would be surprised by what we could sign in free agency or drafting someone, i.e. drafting a wide receiver or an interior defensive lineman? It's a good question. I, I would not be surprised if they end up drafting an interior defensive lineman to push Raquan Davis uh, on some of their their base defense stuff, you know, Raquan at his best in the NFL has been a true nose. Um, and I, I thought this year with him cutting down a little bit of weight, he didn't play to the same standard that that probably his early career expectations set. So I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted an interior defensive lineman. Now we'll see what happens with Zach Sealer and his contract. And then Drew Rosenhaus said they're looking to get an extension done. And, uh, Christian Wilkins is in the same boat, or, but he's under contract. Both those guys are under contract for next year regardless. So uh, they may stay in pat there. Um, but I would not be surprised if there was an interior defensive lineman that was added to play in the A-gaps. And a wide receiver, uh, the guys that are under contract are, are Jalen Waddell, uh, Tyreek Hill, Cedric Wilson, and uh, Eric Azucama. Are you going to keep Trent? Are you going to keep Cedric Wilson? Are you going to re-sign Trent Sherfield? I mean, if the answer to these things is no, like, and especially because they need value in the return game. So Dolphins, Chris, I know your question is, what's an area that that we'd be surprised? I wouldn't be surprised if they did anything, including drafting a wide receiver, especially if he's got some special teams ability and can help in the return game. Cody would like to know how the offense can get back to the high efficiency we saw during the win streak and avoid the poor numbers we saw during the losing streak. So uh, I think what you saw when Miami's offense, just in reflecting and, and watching over the film and 
continuing to evaluate the players in the way that the season went and uh, working through the resources that I have, I think what you saw was teams found the right balance to take away Miami's haymaker plays. Um, but they didn't have enough depth and talent and versatility and experience in the scheme to have the needed counter punches off of that. And um, I, I think getting some of these critical needs addressed so that, you know, in your run scheme, for example, you can come out in the same formation and you can run wide zone to the weak side of the formation or to the strong side of the formation. Almost all of the Dolphins' best zone, outside zone run concepts all season long went to the weak side of the formation because of how teams played the strength. Well, what happens if a team compensates and now the numbers dictate you got to run to the strong side of the formation where your, your tight end is, but they're not winning their one-on-one matchups. Then they've really taken away what you do well and forced you to do what you don't do well, but just based on the numbers and math and angles of the game of football, and your guys can't execute. So that's why when we talk about revamping the tight end room, we're figuring out right tackle and left guard. Though that's why those are important for me. So that way when those teams kind of get a vibe on and a feel for what you're doing, you have the counter punches you need to get them back out of that. That's how the game is with everything. We're going to do this to you until you show you can stop it. And then we're going to do this to you. Okay. So the Dolphins, just based on the talents that they had, they had some things that they were able to dictate terms. But when teams could counteract how Miami dictated, really feel like it took them a while to figure out, okay, here's how we counterpunch based on what we have. Uh, Jake asking, how much money can create before free agency and how would that be relative to previous years? So we did a big deep dive episode on this a couple weeks back. So uh, I would recommend Jake uh, go check out that show because we went over, it's like a seven step plan to create like 45, $50 million in cap space. If the team wants it and they decided to max restructure a handful of guys like, uh, Bradley Chubb and Tron Armstead and Tyree kill. And then you extend Christian Wilkins and, and cut a couple guys, cut some dead weight off the roster. So, um, check out that show. Um, and it'll give you the full blueprint, but but I would say expectations are probably. I would expect Miami probably doesn't do things until they have to. So if they get into free agency and they don't have a big plan for free agency this year, they may probably stand pat on a lot of that money and not restructure it until they feel the need or they have a move that they want to make that forces them to do it. So they might not ever get to like fifty million. But it might be like, oh, we want to make a move. We want to sign, for example, Bobby Wagner, who just got uh, cut or, or is expected to be cut. Excuse me. That is a move that is expected to happen at the open of the league calendar year. And he's going to be a free agent. And if they want to sign Bobby Wagner and Bobby Wagner requires $10 million, well, then, OK, we'll restructure Tyreek Hill and we're done. But then if we want to sign Nasir Adderley at safety, and that requires $6 million, we'll restructure somebody else, and then we're done. So uh, I don't know that they're going to do what the Saints do, which is mass restructure, mass restructure, mass restructure, mass restructure, and we went from negative $50 million to plus $45 million. I don't know that they'll do that. They might value having the flexibility until they need to, to make a move. 
Adam would like to know what the ideal running back room looks like for 2023. Hmm. This is a good question. I'd like to have Raheem Mostert back, definitively. Um, Alec Ingold, he's a fullback. And for the sake of this conversation and the ease of me building myself a bridge to decide who the other names I want to include here are, uh, we're going to include Alec Ingold as a name that that absolutely uh, is an asset to this team. I would love to take a roll of the dice on Rashad Penny. Uh, former first-round pick, Seattle Seahawks, 5'11", 225, explosive. The last two years, anytime he's been on the field, he's been very, very good. The challenge with him has been durability. I hear the eye rolls from Dolphins fans, but I would say this. Just remember, Raheem Mostert was a big durability guy, too. Like, you, it just sometimes you get lucky with injuries. Sometimes you get unlucky with injuries, but a lot of time it's out of your control. And you know, Rashad Penny's a guy who, who's going to be – playing for a lot because he's a running back who hasn't had the big breakout, but has shown big flashes and he's now a free agent. So he needs to prove himself. And then I'd probably draft a guy. Well, if you, you want to put Jameer Gibbs in this bucket as the long-term heir to Raheem Mostert, you know, I wouldn't be mad about it in the second round. Do I think he's going to be there at 51? No, I don't, but we could dream. Speaking of dreams come true. We got plenty more questions coming including one draft-related trade with current assets that I would make if I could. We're going to talk about that next on the show. But speaking of dreams come true, how about Bilt Bar? Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, but low in calories and low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. They have countless delicious flavors for you to choose from. And it is the life hack that you didn't know you needed to eat healthy but still not compromise taste. You can go to built.com, get yourself a box, or you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. You go to Walmart, pick yourself up a four-bar box in the pharmacy section, or go to Sam's Club and make a 13-bar box and get some of your favorite flavors. When you do, make sure you thank us. So the question comes from Layton. If you can make one draft-related trade, with the assets that the team currently holds, what would it be and why? And I know somebody else had submitted a question that was along the lines of, you talked about uh, a two or three and a day th- uh, at a 2024 pick to move up into the first round for like a big splash guy. Uh, but what about tra- taking your two twos or your two threes and trading up for a second pick in the second round? What would that look like? And the player that I would want to do that with, there's two players, I should say. I want to do that with. They're both defensive backs. There's a corner, a true outside corner, and then a safety, who I think would really help this defense with its versatility. Uh, Sidney Brown, the safety from Illinois, big senior bowl standout is one. The other one is another senior bowl standout, Julius Brents, cornerback from Kansas State. Big, long, fluid enough to be able to play off bodies. Uh, really, really impressive player. But two really impressive players. <laughs> Those are the kinds of players that I I think would really alleviate the pressure that exists on the back end right now. The challenge is you're not guaranteed to get them because it's the draft and things get crazy and you don't pick until 51. But Leighton, I would say if, if you told me I could find myself in a position to draft both of those guys on the back end at the cost of 
whatever assets we have available. It would be a huge win for this defense, in my mind. And there's a part of me that's receptive to that because I'd like to see the team. I'm, I don't want to give away too much of the offseason blueprint because we're going to talk about that in two weeks. But my formulating opinion for free agency is that the Dolphins would be wise to spend for adequate and quality starters at the low, historically low-valued positions in free agency. As far as like positions that don't get paid. Linebacker, they do get paid, but they don't get paid like offensive tackles and corners and pass rushers. So if you're going to bring in running backs and tight ends and linebackers, an interior offensive lineman, like those are the areas that I think you should be targeting immediate starters because you do have a significant number of impact players at premier positions. But just from the economics of not only looking at the Dolphins draft or Dolphins cap for 2023, but also looking at it from a lens of 2024, getting players that you know can start and paying 70 cents on the dollar for them because they play guard versus tackle, or they play safety versus corner, or they play linebacker versus an edge rusher. Like, that's how you're going to get a more complete roster in my mind when I look at it, and then I see the numbers, and I see what the implications are for 2024. Our next question comes from Mark, and it's the chances of us keeping Byron Jones. <sighs> I don't have a – I'm not going to speak in a place of education here, right? So the easy thing would for me to do would be to flip the coin and say, well, either they will they won't, or they will or they won't, it's 50-50. <laughs> I know that's not the spirit of your question. I know the spirit of your question is, hey, is this salvageable in any way, shape, or form? I don't think it's a great fit. I don't think the scheme is a great fit for Byron Jones. I certainly think the Dolphins would reap the benefits of having that salary cap space available to them. Um, I, I think you'd have to have a doomsday scenario at corner across both free agency and the draft to keep Byron Jones. Because it, it, would, it has to be designated post G1. So there's going to be certain money there that you just can't touch. Um, 20%, 10%. Not good. Uh, Taylor Zimlicka. After your initial scouting, are there any players you'd be for sure against Miami taking with their first selection? Oh, this is a fun question. I don't think there's anybody that I'm like, especially because it's so far down in the queue, right? Like it'd be one thing if the Dolphins were picking six. And it's like, well, I definitively want Jalen Waddle. I definitively don't want... Um, Zayvon Collins. But with it at 51, I think my impressions of, of who I'm going to be definitively for and against is going to come after I know what other gaps in the roster are filled in free agency. Once I kind of know like, okay, these are definitively the areas that they didn't spend, that we're going to have to make some decisions on, that's going to push me. Uh, I'm I'm a blank slate right now, which is a great place to be because I, I love not being married to a singular outcome. And um, 
being married to a singular outcome is the best, the most direct way to be disappointed with whatever your team decides to do. The next question, I'm glad you asked this, Scott. Can you tell me if Jalen Ramsey would be a fit in Fangio's defense and even if we could afford him after a trade? Could the Dolphins afford him? Yes. Is that smart team building? No, because you're still going to eat money on Byron Jones. You're still going to pay Xavier Howard and owe Xavier Howard like $20 million against the cap this year. You're still going to have Noe Benogany on the roster as a former first-round pick that's going to be a couple million dollars. The Dolphins are already like top stratosphere spending in the defensive backfield. Already. Already. And you want to add Jalen Ramsey, it's like three years, $55 million. And knowing the way that the Dolphins' salary cap is going to balloon, like you might, you might get a second year out of that deal. It's effectively a one-year shot in the dark. And I know, I think it was Pro Football Focus put together the proposed trade and like, yeah, Jalen Ramsey would be a fit for just about any defense out there. He's, he's still a very, very good talent and corner. But that, that much investment into that room is super redundant in my mind. And I don't think it solves a lot of your problems. Because your problems are being able to cover the middle of the field. And they didn't. They haven't had success doing that because they haven't had the bodies to match backs, tight ends, and crossers across the middle of the field. So I would I find a way to get into the headspace and talk about why they chose to make the decision and how it would work and what they're hoping for if it happens, and, and probably get excited about it to some degree. Sure, but if you had to ask me, hey, is this something you would do? No, it is not. Now, Bobby Wagner, on the other hand, I, I would. Uh, that news came out yesterday, and Bobby Wagner and the Rams have mutually agreed to part ways, a.k.a. he don't want to play there anymore, and they needed the cap relief after being terrible last year. Um, so I, I know that that is expected to happen on the first day of the league calendar year, so I would not be surprised if teams start to call and magically they find a landing spot. I think for the Dolphins, the thing that would be interesting there is there was $10.5 million fully guaranteed at signing by the Rams. Uh, he got the majority of that already. Now, he does have a roster bonus for 2024 on his current contract that becomes guaranteed on like the fifth day of the league calendar year this year. So whatever team he is on, if he's on his current contract, would then automatically owe him a $3.5 million roster bonus in addition to the rest of his salary. And that was a five-year, $50 million contract. So I think the thing that would probably give you pause would be acquiring Bobby Wagner on his current contract if you are the Dolphins. Because that's a four-year, $40 million contract you're now talking about with runway and guarantees that start to lock in as that contract ages. So if, if Bobby shakes free and hits free agency, I'm absolutely negotiating my own and, and giving the sales pitch and seeing if he wants to come down here. I think he'd be an awesome addition. He can still play at a very high level. There's no question of that. It's just the, the matter of um, protecting yourself. 
long-term, which is absolutely a, a thing that the teams should consider more of is making sure that they are protecting themselves. These are all the kind of uh, strategy questions that I love most about the NFL and team building, which is why I love our friends over at ultimate football GM. Today's episode of locked on dolphins is brought to you by ultimate football GM. You've heard us talk about this mobile game app, had a ton of fun, uh, I just made another submission on the Locked On NFL Hosts uh, League. It's my best one yet. I won three championships across 25 years. It is hard, though. It's, <laughs> there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. Uh, but you can get in on the action now as well. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, that dream can come true. This game is for you. You manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through th- seasons, lead your team to glory, trying to build a dynasty, by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, navigating through free agency in the draft, and all the ups and downs of a season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline, so you can play on the go as you went to and when you want to. Locked On Dolphins listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo Locked On in all caps in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps, so make sure to check it out today. Download the game, visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in app stores. That is ultimate-gm.com, ultimate football GM. Start your dynasty today. Okay. Uh, Miguel, what ideals would you consider with the Dolphins' top three picks? Whether they are scheme fits for Fangio system like Mozzie Smith, Gervin, Dexter, Keanu Benton, etc.? I think Mozzie Smith is a really interesting name. Uh, Part of Bruce Feldman's freaks list, which is one of the favorite things for any draft analyst or college football fan when it comes out at the beginning of the years, all the guys who have the crazy testing numbers and Mozzie Smith is crazy athletic for like 340, 350 pounds. He's a really interesting player to potentially add to the heart of this defense. I would say Keanu Benton has the disruptive nature to, to really bring some value as well. Uh, those are the two that I think can live in the area where the Dolphins need most um, more bodies and more disruptiveness, uh, but can still take the physicality of playing in, in close quarters combat. Jesse would like to know if it's wise for the Dolphins to continue drafting quarterbacks in future drafts in hopes of they hit big on one. I am a Tua believer, but I also can't ignore his injury history. So this is another part of the all-season blueprint that I'm kind of going back and forth on because I'm looking at the Taylor Heineke's of the world and the Sam Darnold's of the world and all the guys that have some starting experience and could potentially be a backup because they, they fit stylistically, put Mitchell Trubisky in that bucket if you want to. It really hurts what the rest of this is going to look like. And not only does it re- not only does it really hurt what the rest of this is going to look like, it, of course, cuts down on your flexibility to roll cap over for future years and continue to have some fluidness with your draft or with your cap situation. If you draft a player, of course, that's a four-year contract. It's probably going to be about a million dollars per season if you're drafting one in the middle rounds. The challenge there is what's the ROI? What's the return on investment? What's the likelihood of success? What is the opportunity cost there? These are all the questions that the Dolphins uniquely have to be more dialed in on answering than many other teams across the league because of Tua's injury durability. 
I think there's a strong case to be made to drafting one. The, the question is just which one would you want? Which one stylistically meshes with the areas of the field that the Dolphins are going to throw the football in and the skill sets of Tua Tungapal? It's not an easy answer to question, or not an easy question to answer. Finkel would like to know if I would rather sign two top tier interior offensive linemen and move Robert Hunt to right tackle or sign one top-tier guard and one mid-tier tackle, Jawan Taylor. Uh, the price for both scenarios would be pretty similar. Man, I think these tackles and frees, I'm just looking at some of these teams that ha- that actually have money. They all have offensive line needs. All of them. I would not be surprised if the big hitter names or the Dolphins are priced out of. Uh, and that includes like Mike McGlinchey at tackle. I will put Jawan Taylor in the same tier um, as Mike McGlinchey. It's probably an adequate start. And I think Siamalu will probably, they're going to get a lot of money. <laughs> so let's just call it what it is. They're going to get a lot of money. So I do think there is something to be explored at this stage in Robert Hunt's career. Here's the here's what I'm afraid of. If you sign Isaac Siamalu, hypothetically, that becomes your third big money contract on the offensive line. Robert Hunt's after next year. His contract is up. So the question now is, okay, would I rather sign Isaac Siamalu here and not potentially be able to afford extending Robert Hunt next year or is Robert Hunt the player that I want to just commit to and figure out a more economic way to address the other spot? That's the question I have to answer, and I am admittedly very emotionally attached to Robert Hunt. <laughs> like, I don't want to do anything that's going to put in jeopardy my ability to re-sign and extend Robert Hunt. But I think if they go big money, especially on the interior, what, what are you going to sign now? Your your center and Connor would current is currently scheduled to expire after twenty twenty three as well. But now you're making a choice on one of those two guys. I would love to have some continuity here. This, I mean, these are all the challenges you got to you got to not just think for now, but you got to think about the ramifications and the big picture and the long term impact on what they will have on the players who are already in house. Not an easy thing to do. Uh, Kevin would like to know if I have any interest in Taylor Lewan. He could play right tackle for us. I do not. I am very traditionally not going to get excited for guys in their 30s who are starting to have durability issues signing. Now, we got plenty up for Toronto Armstead last year, so it's not a, a blanket or universal statement. But I think when you do take into consideration Toronto Armstead's durability, and then if you want to add another tackle who has the same questions, it's a hard sell. And I do think Taylor Lewan, and that's a big difference. I think Taylor Lewan's play has dipped as well. I, I don't, I can't say that for Toronto Armstead. Let's see. Um, any parting... Thoughts. Okay, Tony wants my honest thoughts on Tua. We'll wrap on this one. We're getting to the end of the show. It's a Tua question. We'll figure we get at least one Tua question in (laughs) throughout the course of a mailbag. 
I want to see your honest thoughts on Tua. You've mentioned he you can win with him, but I want to hear where he compares to the rest of the league in your mind. Besides staying healthy, what do you need to see from him in order to get an extension? I would love to get rid of the games like Tennessee 2021, like Denver 2020, like Chargers 2022. Those low watermark games have to become just adequate play. I'm not going to expect you to light the world on fire for 17 games. It's not a realistic expectation to hold. But if you think about just how bad that Chargers game was to watch. Remember, Miami got a 60-yard touchdown on a fumble recovery from Tyreek Hill in the scrum. That game was not indicative on the scoreboard of how bad it was for Miami offensively. That Those performances, your, your low watermarks, and I won't include the Packers game because obviously the, the three final possessions that ended in turnovers and, and the head injury that was suffered throughout the course of that game, and it's hard to say what impact definitively and, and with 100% confidence that it or did, not, did or did not have. You have to be more consistent when your first options and and are consistently taken away. Two is not a guy from his physical ability that I think is ever going to thrive outside of structure. And if you get up to the line of scrimmage, whether that's you know changing what the the pre-snap play call protocol is at the line of scrimmage. Two has got to get to a point, and hopefully this comes with more time in the singular system, where if he's able to make changes at the line of scrimmage where we get up and we're lined up and, okay, they're, they're going to cloud the corner here, so we're not going to have the throw that we are designed to have as the first progression. Can you change the play? Can you get us into something that is going to counterpunch what the defense is giving you? That's the tangible on-the-field thing for me that I'm now looking for because I'm not going to expect him to beat Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert. It's not a realistic option. Like, just get over it. It's not going to happen. He's never going to be those guys. From a physical skill set and arm strength and outside of structure and running around in the pocket, it's never going to be like that. It doesn't have to be. When Tua is within the confines and the structure of a play as it is designed to operate. He's at his best. So he has to be in those positions more often. Hopefully more time in the scheme will allow that to happen. Hopefully more flexibility to line of scrimmage can allow him to make those changes when he knows plays aren't going to work and then stay healthy. If you could play a whole season and you cannot have a Chargers or Broncos or Titans level game, for a whole season, I'll be pounding the table 12 months from now for a contract extension for two. But you got to stay healthy and you got to show growth in that area because those low watermark games can be backbreakers. Got to avoid them. That's my thoughts on two. 
I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, Cockrabs, Friday, February 24th, 2023. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Fins up. I appreciate you guys checking out the show. Make it a great rest of your day. Make it a great weekend. I will talk with you all again on Monday.